Master. I have done what you asked. Skywalker is here. Young Master Skywalker, you're nothing if not relentless. What a surprise. Dooku. You're a fool, Rishru. <laughs> Why bring the war to Naboo? How quickly you forget. After all, the war started here years ago. You were a part of that first battle? The Sith control everything. You just don't know it. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode... The Gungans come under the influence of the Separatists by the devious minister Rishlu. But by a courageous General Tarbles and legendary hero Jar Jar Binks, the Gungans catch a Grievous and force the Separatists from their world. Hey troops, it's your old buddy Bucho. And I'm a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship, he's a Clone Wars veteran on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the General Tarbles to my Jar Jar. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, Yusa. <laughs> and we are going to talk about the 70th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Daniel Arkin and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. It's season four, episode four, Shadow Warrior. What a name, Robbie. What an episode title. So here we go from one watery world in the princely Char story to another watery world and Shadow Warrior. Robbie, were there any specific details you remembered from Shadow Warrior before you rewatched it again this week? You know, when I was looking up the episode, I was like, Shadow Warrior? And then there was a picture of Grievous, and I was like, wait a minute, I don't really remember this episode. But as soon as the episode started, it really became clear as to what this episode was, and it was the fact that the Gungans trap Grievous, yeah. and it was like, whoa, what a what a weird thing. But before we really get started, I think this is important to note that that the reason that it's called Shadow Warrior is it's the translation from Keiji Musha, which is a movie by Akira Kurosawa, where a lowly thief resembles the king, and when the king dies. The lowly thief has to take up the reins and be the king. So that's where the title comes from. And I think it's important because it's it shows why some of the decisions were made in this episode. Yeah, that dynamic where we have a lowly, you know, in quotes, person resembling the monarch or the leader and standing for them. That's a well-worn sort of trope at this point. So it's not surprising that Clone Wars eventually came to it. And another trip that this episode kind of plays on is the dynamic where the king or ruler is being manipulated by some kind of, I don't know, witch doctor, some kind of whisperer. And one of the things that helped this episode feel more fresh and more expansive than that princely Char arc, which opened the season, is that Rishlu either has some kind of force ability, like he's using some variation of the Jedi mind trick for evil, or it's some other type of magic. And I kind of automatically assume that all magic in the Star Wars universe is force related. Even this thing that's somehow related to a crystal 
So I guess I want to ask, is that how you read it too, Robbie? Do you automatically assume that magic in the Star Wars universe is all related to the Force and that Rishlu has some kind of low-grade dark side Force ability? Or, or do you feel like this mind trick thing that he's doing to Boss Leone is non-Force related? I mean, it's fair to say that it's Force related. And by the way, Rishlu is kind of an interesting name you know, it's the yeah. from the Three Musketeers. But yep. anyway, this is a, I guess, a Gungan-esque version of that name. But what I'd assumed, especially when you find out later in the episode that Count Dooku's involved, I think the Night Sisters. But even that, even the Night Sisters sort of use a magic that that sort of seems to be Force related in some way. It's almost like a corruption of the Force in a strange kind of way, but in a different way of you know you would think of like the dark side being used but it's still on that i guess on if you had a scale you know you've got the light side on one and the dark side on the other you would definitely think of the night sisters on the dark side half of the scale of the force right and i think that's kind of what i'd assumed especially when it was shown to be green that just kind of made me think of the night sisters because the crystal was green mm-hmm. and if you think of the night sisters it's all they're all bathed in that green ethereal green light that's interesting i didn't actually make that connection i mean when the night sisters were using their magic i didn't even question whether it was to do with the force i just felt like that's definitely something to do with the force but this for some reason this rishlu magic i questioned it and i'm don't know 100 percent why i guess because he had that crystal and it made me wonder if it was some kind of technological thing you know maybe it was sending out some sort of waves brainwave manipulation i don't know maybe that's what it was and obviously the episode doesn't hinge on it but it was just something i found myself wondering and i also found myself wondering whether you noticed how similar rishlu's voice is to zero the hut's voice robbie no i didn't actually put that together there are some moments where he sounds very much like zero the hut even accent wise and that's our old buddy Corey Burton at work again, doing double duty again in this one. Hmm. In fact, effectively talking to himself at times since he also plays Count Dooku. And then, of course, one of their conversations doesn't go Rishlu's way, and he ends up even deader than Boss Leone, who at that point is only mostly dead. But how did you like that performance from Corey Burton in this, Robbie? That Rishlu, he didn't hang around for long, but he made an impression on me at least. Yeah, I mean, the thing that really stuck out to me is that it was almost like an attempt at a Southern-style Gungan. Sure. Like, some of the way that he said some of the words, it just sounded very Southern to me. Right, Zero the Hut. That's where the connection is, right? Yeah, but like Zero... He's that Louisiana, Bayou, I guess. Cajun thing, which is Southern as, right? Yeah, it's funny the way that I didn't really put that together until you said that he's the same voice actor. But yeah, I guess it is pretty similar. But more of a, this seemed less of a southern accent and more of just a down south kind of accent to me. What is the difference between down south and Louisiana Bayou, Robbie? There's a, how can I explain this? It's, um, the Louisiana accent almost seems a little more graceful. To me, the down south stereotypical southern accent sounds... I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get. Robbie, we know we're putting this show out. No, I know. We're gonna put this show out, and you live in Texas, which you know, I know. I think Texas can, doesn't consider itself the South, but well, it is, it is the South. But there's a way that that it comes across that it's, and yeah, if hey, if I get lambasted for that, then you know, so be it. But I just feel like there's a certain level of, I guess you could say, 
unsophisticated is the way that it comes across to me. And maybe that's my own judgments on, you know, <laughs> family members that I have. I mean, who knows? But it just, uh, that's the way that it comes across to me. And it just, for me, it stuck out, but not, honestly, not in a good way. It stuck out as like, it was almost like, really? That's, that's where you're going with that? It was just, it just seems strange to me. Yeah, I mean, I've, we've talked about this before, not on the show, but I love the Southern, all of the Southern accents of the United States. It's my favorite U.S. accent and one of my favorite, I mean, I shouldn't say one of my favorite because it's actually several different accents, isn't it? You know, as you've just pointed out, but I've always loved all of the Southern accents of the U.S. So if anyone's going to send any angry emails or angry tweets, send them to me. That's Robbie. Remember, that was Robbie saying that it was the dude with the Texas accent, not the... Yep, send them to me. Not the dude with the South Auckland <laughs> accent. So I enjoyed his performance quite a bit. And another performance I enjoyed quite a bit, Robbie, Fred Tataschiori, who I guess uh, that sounds like an Italian kind of name, but he doesn't play General Tarples as an Italian the thing that his performance reminded me of was actually that Terra Sanube performance from Lightsaber Lost because there's a touch of David Attenborough in his accent at times. And this is Fred Tedeschi's only Clone Wars role. But if you check his IMDb, he has a ton of Star Wars credits. It seems like he's been in every single Star Wars video game. Hmm. And of course, General Tarples has his troops basically ambush General Grievous, as you mentioned earlier. And he does it by shutting down the battle droids, as Padme instructed. And when Grievous emerges from his ship, and we see he's pretty much surrounded by Tarpal's army, the sky is dark with thunderclouds. And as the Gungans attack Grievous and start to sort of get the better of him, it begins to rain. And by the time we see General Tarpal's make his heroic sacrifice, the rain is heavy. It's a full-on storm out there. And... That's not the only thing that's heavy. So are our hearts because General Grievous stabs General Tarples through the chest and asks General Tarples what it's like to die. And General Tarples replies, not die, sacrifice. And that reminded me of Heavy for some reason. I don't know why. The first is the first. Remember Heavy when he gets taken out and just before he gets taken out, the battle droids say, do we take prisoners? And Heavy says, I'll never forget this. Heavy says, I don't. And that's when that's when it all goes down in rookies. And this was a cool line for a guy that was just about to sacrifice himself out. And then the Gungans, of course, take Grievous down. But enough of me rambling, Robbie. How did you like General Tarples overall? And how did you like the way that they took down Grievous? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was there was a part of me that I remember the even this time watching it because you know I can't remember every single detail of all of these episodes after you know years of me not watching it but but even this time I was kind of like oh come on really the Gungans are going to take Grievous down I mean he can just do a little swirly swirly of his lightsabers and take them all out but I really did enjoy the way that they did that I mean it's a shame to see uh, you know poor uh, I almost said Captain Tarples because that's what he is in uh, Phantom Menace Right. to see Tarples go down was you know, it was actually kind of sad to me. And I guess maybe just because I have come to appreciate the Phantom Menace more than... I mean, you know, you talk to many Star Wars fans, they still say that it's terrible and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, leftover hatred for that movie, even though they probably hadn't seen it in years. So for me, it was it was still kind of sad to see him go out. But the one thing that I will say about it is that it almost seems a bit wasted because immediately they turn him right back over you know when Anakin gets captured so it was kind of like right. I don't know it felt it felt uh, 
It's extra sad, though. It's extra tragic when you put it in that context. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little, uh, a bit wasted to me. I mean, I almost feel like there's a part of me that feels that it was almost hasty to immediately make that exchange, that maybe that there was a way that they could have... And I know that, you know, Grievous has to survive and has to, you know, has to move on for episode three and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But it seemed to me that there was a bit of a, a need to just go ahead and put it right back to where it was when, when we started. But I felt like there was an opportunity there where you could have had from either side, either the other Jedi or whoever, try to break Anakin out so they could hold on to Grievous and vice versa. That there was an opportunity to maybe, you know, have some sort of... Citadel episode? Yeah, or something where maybe the Separatists, whether it's Dooku or some other underling or something, maybe have uh, Savage Opress come back and do something, you know, that he comes back and tries to break Grievous out. I mean, I thought there was an opportunity there. And again, it's not only disappointment that we lose Tarples, but the disappointment that there was an opportunity to have a little, maybe some sabotage type episodes or some sneak in and break the dude out kind of episodes that we just didn't get. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was kind of relieved that this episode moved as fast as it did. Maybe after the last three episodes felt like they dragged out a little bit and we haven't had a one and done, you know, kind of standalone episode for a while. And this is maybe one of the reasons this episode felt so refreshing to me was just that it was a self-contained story and that they didn't, you know, mess around with it. And I wonder if, like, I mean, I just sort of dropped in there. We've just done the Citadel. So another breaking a Jedi out of a prison thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just too soon for that or something. I'm not sure. No, I I mean, I agree with you. I just feel like there was a, there was an opportunity there because... I mean, it seems like Grievous would be a pretty important capture for the Jedi, for the sure. for the Republic. So to immediately turn him back over after a pretty clean capture, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Seemed kind of hasty to me. Well, speaking of pretty clean captures, Robbie, we just mentioned that Anakin, of course, ends up in captivity for the second time in two stories. He's getting captured a lot lately, Robbie. And <laughs> Anakin and Dooku come face to face for, unless I'm mistaken... The first time since the Gungan General, when they spent a good deal of quality time together, tied together even, and on this occasion, of course, it goes very, very well for Dooku and his bodyguards, and all of a sudden, like I said, Anakin is captive again, and this is also yet another moment in the Clone Wars show that adds extra spice to the trilogy films, because, as we know, Anakin and Dooku will throw down again in Revenge of the Sith, and Anakin will have a much better day on that occasion, but... Next time I watch that scene, this will be, like I said, an added bit of spice to that scene. Yeah, and I, I like, um, there's a an elegance to the way that Dooku fights that I just appreciate. Yeah, he seems effortless. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just re- so refined, you know? I mean, and he's a count, right? He, I love the way that they bring that into his fighting style as well. And it's just something that, a little detail that I really appreciate. I mean, Anakin really is kind of flailing around here in this episode, in his fighting style. And he's really just on the defensive almost the entire time. I mean, he tries to start out being offensive, but he's very quickly overwhelmed. And I like the fact that Dooku's just kind of walking around like, this is this is nothing, you know? And these bodyguards are going to take him out. Yep, in control the whole time. Yeah, it's very, very cool. It is very cool, Robbie, and even cooler, 
there is a beautiful moment when Jar Jar boards Grievous's ship and suddenly <laughs> sees the old head clanker and Jar Jar kind of recoils in shock and fear and he puts like one arm across his face in <laughs> shock, right? And then it cuts to Grievous being all terrifying and intimidating and then it cuts back to Jar 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 is still in the exact same <laughs> shocked, <laughs> terrified pose and General Tarples has to reach up. He doesn't even look at Jar Jar, right? He keeps looking at Grievous, but he just reaches up and he just slowly pushes Jar Jar's arm back down. And man, I laughed in that moment, Robbie. I love that moment. This is the Jar Jar that I love. This is the Jar Jar that I learned to love in Supply Lines, the first ever time I think I became a proper Jar Jar fan. And it maybe even only gets better from there because then we cut to Jar Jar not even looking at Grievous. Now he's looking down at the controls for his chair or something. And then we cut back to Grievous and he's, again, very frightening and terrifying. And then cut to Jar Jar popping up and down as his chair is somehow out of control, which is my shot of the episode, Robbie, because I was <laughs> delighted as heck by this entire sequence. And then I was almost as delighted by the way that Jar Jar pretty much pulled it off. I mean, anytime he's in a story... I half expect, I mean, not half expect, I fully expect that if he's going to help, it's going to be by accident, but he went in there with a plan, basically a plan, and he basically pulled it off, and I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I feel like a lot of the people that are detractors from the prequels, they tend to look at an episode like this and not see the humor in that, and not, you know, be almost transported into that sort of I don't know what you call it it's just it's glee it's it's just enjoyment sure and yeah. that Jar Jar brings and I feel sorry for those that that can't feel that you know and Jar Jar is just he's one of the most pure Star Wars characters out there you know and and it's it's one of those things that it still pains me a little bit that people that a lot of people don't allow them to enjoy that you know and I love this scene it's actually a note that I put down that I enjoyed it. I mean, for me to, especially, you know, for me coming around from those days of just kind of, I don't know, griping about the prequels. Sure. Jar Jar has been one of those things that's just opened my eyes to just, you know, just pure enjoyment. And it's just pure fun. And that's one of the things that I loved about the Clone Wars is, is it helped me make that transition into just being able to enjoy it and have a good time. Yep, I'm with you 100%, Robbie. I am a Jar Jar Binks fan, and I've just given my favorite shot of the episode away. But what was your favorite shot of Shadow Warrior? Well, mine was a little more ominous. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was when Anakin confronts Dooku, and it's a very, very dark shot of Dooku kind of walking forward, and then you see the bodyguards emerge behind him and light up their right. staffs. And it's just a neat-looking shot that I, I really uh, I really enjoyed. But yeah, I mean, I, I would have to agree with you that that Jar Jar scene uh, <laughs> might be up there. Just just pure joy. But yeah, the visually, I think that bodyguard droid emerge is pretty awesome. Yeah, there were other shots in this episode I like too. I mean, Tapples and Grievous face-to-face in a close-up, which kind of brought me back to Mace Windu and that battle droid face-to-face in Liberty on Ryloth. That's the first time we've seen a shot like that. And this one, of course, has a whole lot of extra depth to it because of what Tapples is doing. And then the prisoner exchange at the end of the episode taking place at Magic Hour. I mean, doing things at Magic Hour is kind of cheating, but, you know, I'll allow it. I love Magic Hour just like everyone else. <laughs> and just the Gungan world and Naboo in general. I mean, we've 
talked about this before how that would be on our itinerary of vacation spots in the star wars galaxy and i mean i'm including the underwater world because that's just so much more alluring somehow than the parts of mon Cala that we visited in the princely char story the water just seems so much cleaner and clearer and maybe it's closer to the surface and that's why there's more light but i just remember the sickly sort of yellowy green of mon Cala, and this is blue tinted and seems clean and clear so this episode like i say was kind of a brush of fruit there after the preview i mean we got i'm gonna stop bashing that leech arc now because <laughs> it feels like i'm being a little bit mean to it but now it's time to bring this in for a landing robbie and we need to sum up and give our rating so after your third ever watch of shadow warrior how did you like it and where does it sit on that four star robbie scale well, it happens time and time again. When I see that it's a, you know, a Gungan episode or a Jar Jar episode, I guess there's that lingering, I guess that lingering doubt in my mind that it's not going to be a good time. But pleasantly surprised again that, yes, I enjoyed this episode. I don't think that it's crucial to a Clone Wars binge, but at least from my perspective, I am going to give it a three and a quarter stars. I love this episode. I really just enjoy all of the Jar Jar stuff. Uh, again, him showing that purity that that I think is missing from the world, really. You know, a way of looking at the world that's just different. And uh, I just really like it. I just think it's a great episode. Yeah, one of the things I really enjoyed about it was how it just kind of kept me on my toes. And without mentioning any other previous episodes that might have felt a little bit predictable, Robbie, <laughs> this one just... From Richelieu's magic to Grievous showing up unexpectedly, I mean, his arrival is not telegraphed. You know, we don't know who it's going to be. I thought it was going to be Dooku himself, but oh, look, it's Grievous again. And I always love seeing Grievous, of course. And Jar Jar somehow succeeding long enough in his, I guess, battle of wits against Grievous to get out of that meeting alive and generally being relatively competent in this episode. And his Jar Jarness, that's just super welcome for me. And then Grievous getting taken down by General Tarples and the Gungans. There was just so many things in this episode that surprised me in a good way. I mean, Anakin fighting and being captured by Dooku. I wasn't expecting to see that. And I almost had Shadow Warrior at an 8, but I'm going to give it a 7, which is still very solid. And a 7, you know, to me, that is an episode that is going to be worth a rewatch and that I'm going to look forward to rewatching. And I was sort of leaning toward 8 for just how fun it was and how much joy this sort of episode brought me. But I think because it doesn't feel like we learn anything new about any of our main characters, I couldn't give it that eight you know and part of me wishes that i was i don't know enough we i don't need to overthink this stuff let's just say i really enjoyed it it's funny that you say that though because it seems like you've brought your rating down a bit sure and i brought mine up i was just gonna give it a three because i enjoyed it but then i thought about all of the stuff that i really really enjoyed about it and so i bumped mine up to a three and a quarter so it's kind of interesting that we kind of flip-flopped and almost met in the middle there sure kind of interesting yeah, it is, Robbie. Well, I, I think I'm assuming... I mean, I think back to other episodes like that I've given an 8 out of 10, and they were episodes where there was some kind of revelation, and there, were no, there was no revelation in this episode, but it was just a ton of fun. And that's Mission Accomplished for Season 4, Episode 4, Shadow Warrior. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Of course. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 71st episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 4, Episode 5, Mercy Mission. And until then, this is your old buddy Boot Show, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Mercy.
Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Pucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Pucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.